We're walking through the liturgy. We began with the invocation in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We said that was a twofold. One, we come as baptized children of God, making the cross upon ourselves. For uh, God has called us by the gospel. Uh, also, it is a declaration that what God are we praying to? This particular one, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the triune God, is what this divine service uh, is about. After the invocation, uh, the confession uh, is made. We confess our sins uh, and receive the forgiveness, the absolution. Once again, uh, as Luther mentioned with baptism, uh, the fourth question is, what does this signify? Well, once you're baptized, it signifies that you're going to be doing this your entire life. You're always going to be confessing sins and receiving forgiveness. And that's the very first thing that we do. We want to make sure to uh, set aside all of uh, sin and, and, and as such. We begin chanting the Psalms, which is the entrance or the introit, kind of the beginning of the service itself. At that point, the pastor uh, goes from the uh, nave floor up into the uh, chancel, up to the altar. He makes the entrance in. Uh, he usually chants the antiphon, and then uh, you chant the psalm and the gloria and maybe the antiphon again. And uh, uh, we begin. That's the first part of the propers, which uh, tell us what the service is about, the theme of the service for that day. So it's going to change from time to time, particularly the antiphon. We talked how the antiphon even uh, sets the name of the service most of the time, uh, especially in the Latin season. The Kyrie. After having made our entrance, uh, got up to the altar, uh, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy. Uh, this is the situation in which we find ourselves. Um, it's not uh, another confession per se, but it is an acknowledgement that uh, having received forgiveness of sins, we still need mercy for everything that we ask for. Um, and so it, it's a humbleness of us coming, saying, whatever gifts you give us, what we come seeking this morning, uh, uh, we come asking for, for mercy. Uh, we started and just pushed forward, uh, looking at the Gloria. We'll see if we can uh, uh, get the Gloria, maybe part of the colics uh, for this morning as we push forward. If you take a look at your, you've got a new white sheet that has the Gloria uh, on it, page 3 in your white sheets. If you go on page 10 and 11 in your hymnal, you can see the beginning of the Gloria in Excelsis. The pastor chants, Glory be to God on high. The congregation shall chant or say, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Uh, we just kind of started that, talking about Luke 2, verse 14. And then the uh, Gloria continues on with 
praising God, blessing God, thanking God, uh, and it runs into what looks like uh, John the Baptist, the Lamb of God, uh, who taketh away the sin of the world, and, and, and we have that, and then it concludes it's actually got a, a Trinitarian, a Father, a Son, and a Holy Spirit uh, section that goes with it. But let's take a look at it. Um, on your sheet that you have, uh, that I, I produced for you. <clears throat> Glory be to God on high and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. As I said, it's from Luke 2, verse 14. We talked about last time how the pastor is the angel that just as in Luke 2 when the announcement is made, one angel makes the announcement and then all the heavenly hosts, we're talking about the armies, we're talking about thousands of angels uh, joining with... uh, If I am the messenger sent by God to announce it, you are the heavenly host. You're the thousand angels. You're the army of God that joins with it and says, yes, that's my my profession as well. There is a, we praise thee, we bless thee. We worship Thee, we glorify Thee, we give thanks to Thee uh, for Thy great glory. Uh, This whole first section uh, is directed to, O Lord God, Heavenly King, God the Father Almighty. The next one with the Christ and the next one including the Holy Ghost. But this, uh, uh, we do this, we do this, we do this. Sounds a little like uh, contemporary worship to me. A whole bunch of we stuff, you know. Uh, uh, oh, we do this, we do this. You know, we're going to talk about us a little bit more, or what's going on here? It is contemporary all through town. Time. Oh, oh, oh <laughs> ah, it goes. It all right, all right, I like that. It, 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 it fits no matter what time period you're in. Uh, not something new. In fact, to, to, to say that, I mean, this uh, glory and excelsis, uh, even of itself, from uh, uh, 530, where we first have it, to then probably since about 11, 1200, uh, the church has been, has been singing it. Uh, what, what, what would all of a sudden drive Lutherans all Christians to engage in, in, in this. Well, it's not just the first part, but kind of the whole thing echoes the what the angels sing in heaven. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. All right. This? The subject isn't us. Really, it's not us. It's him. Well, it really is me. Well, and it's you. Yeah, but it's it, we, it, you and I together. I know. We're doing it, but it's Come on, Tony Prohaska. I can't help myself. I got to bring a lesson on music to you people. When you sing this thing, listen to this. I had a professor that found the Trinity every place he could. 
And this thing is just fraught with it. You have three sections. The first is an introduction. Then you got the middle section. And then you got the end section. But look what happens. You lift the God the Father first up. Then you lift the Son up. That's two. And then we have three petitions to the, uh, to the Christ. Then the Holy Spirit always gives the short shift. <laughs> it's at the, that it's is at true. the end. But look, yeah, at, look at how the Trinity yeah. is there. You go the Son, the Holy Spirit, and the Father. You start with the Father, you end with the Father. That's the third of the third, and there's three sections. How much can, and you think this happens accidentally? <laughs> when you sing this, listen to what, what he does. We lift ourselves, we praise the Father, and then we praise the Son. And then we petition the Son for three times. I'm sorry, I just had to get it off my chest. You, you, need to, uh, you need to stand by me when I'm shaking hands, because when Tony goes by, this is a musician. And uh, not only that, but led orchestra and put, you know. Uh, but he's also, uh, uh, the Lord has heightened his hearing by reducing his eyes. And uh, so he hears these things. So, you know, most of the time... Uh, I get a little sermon on, the, on his way out to explain to me how all of the communion hymns this Sunday morning were Trinitarian. And that's based upon the music, the way that it repeats and those things. And, and he's right. Those are absolutely intentional. Um, I, uh, I, I, I get a, a book called Sacred Music, and they actually go to great depths to show you those kind of things. And, when, and, and even with the... Uh, the chanting that you that you see, like in the offertory or communion psalm and those kind of things, uh, they're they're definitely intended with with those purposes. So, absolutely. What's going on? What's going on is this. <clears throat> this is the first. As we are going through the liturgy, we have just gotten to the altar. And the very first thing that is proclaimed is glory to God on high and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. It immediately results in, in, in the congregation, in the heavenly host, everybody goes wild. Angels and archangels and all the company of heaven glorifying him. Now, we're going to see. She's quoting from the communion liturgy. But what you will find is, even though this, uh, oh, let's see, even though you will see that there's kind of two services, there's the service of the Word, and then there's the service of Holy Communion, and you'll find that they are, are quite similar. There's a preface, there's an introit, there is a coming before the Lord in prayer, there's the colleagues that come with that. There's the Gloria with the preface. There is the angels and archangels. The, the parallels between these two and the repetition that it does it is absolutely true. I'm going to go right back, though, to this one and to say, what is it that is uh, so important? Well, I was just thinking in the Curie, we just asked for mercy and received it. And now we're able to say that. Can't help ourselves. This is the announcement. 
of the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ. What is the Old Testament all about? The incarnation of Christ. What's the New Testament all about? Everything points to Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone of this entire building, with apostles and apostles and prophets all pointing back to him. Everything from Genesis three fifteen on is all about Jesus. And guess what? Now we've finally got, you know, immediately, of all Christian worship, what's the first thing that ought to happen? Let me announce to you the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we have the words glory, glory be to God on high, what is glory? It is none other than a showing forth, a shining forth, an announcement of the divine attributes of God. We see it in visible form with the angels coming, and it says the glory shown all around. But normally when we talk about the glory of God coming out, it is about talking about who he is and what he has done. And in particular, when we go up in the highest, where the angels and everything is, God is now receiving glory because guess what? He promised a Savior. And here it is. He promised that you're going to come and through faith in him you'll salvation. Here he's announcing it. Uh, the truth of God, the revelation of his promise, uh, the, the coming of himself in the flesh. Um, it is now up in heaven. The everyone is going, yep, this was what we were waiting for. This is what the Lord has been telling us about. Angels long to look into these things. They are rejoicing in the thing that the Heavenly Father's heart loves. Glory is first. There's two more things that are listed. There is a contrast between what is on high, heavenly stuff, where everything is glory. Everything in heaven is glory now. And what about now on earth? Well, with the coming of Jesus Christ, God has come to earth. He has come in the incarnation, and in Christ's nativity, there is the announcement of, in, in Greek, arene, it is peace. And peace, you know, the, the words are done. Well, this is the first time we've had it announced, but, but it's going to happen again, and then finally at the end of the service, and, and there's going to be this remark about peace. What about what is this peace that's now on earth? Peace in God, man, because Christ has died for us. It's not world peace. But no, no, it's not world peace. Um, it's not a, a subjective, uh, just kind of like, oh, I'm now I'm sitting by a lake and everything's gone. Yeah, it's peace between believers and God because Christ has atoned for us. This is a sermon. This is an announcement. Peace is one way to speak of it. The next one, um, and these kind of go together. There's only one and. These two are, are kind of in parallel. They tell a little bit different, but, but they're almost the same. So in heaven there is glory, but here on earth, uh, Jesus uh, says things like this. Um, and I come to bring you peace, not as the world gives. Do I get, well, what, what, what does that mean? 
Well, the world comes and by, you know, squashing the enemy, creates a, a condition of peace. Jesus comes and says, I'm going to give you peace. The wrath of God turned away. Uh, um, reconciliation. I'm going to do it through my own death. It's an objective fact, and I'm announcing it to you. It's true. I have made peace through faith that is yours. He, he wants, whether you believe it or not, it's objectively true that God, that Jesus has done it. It doesn't have an effect for you. I mean, the OJ guy's got the messed up on that, but, but the point is, is that here it is. I've got it for you. That's the peace. Well, I think it's important for us to remember the verbs here are all present tense. In Greek, they're continuing action verbs. The peace and the goodwill toward men is always here. It's always ours. You see, and the problem is our old sinful man says that's not true. God is saying it is true. And I'm going to jump ahead here just a minute because in the glory in Excelsis, what's happening here, you see, happen again at the consecration. What happens at the consecration? Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth. Because why? Christ is now here in the body and blood of the sacrament. He's present with us. That's it. This is it's it's all a Greek continuing action verb. It's always with his church. And every time we see the Lord's Supper, we're reminded of that. Every time we sing the glory to God in the highest, with all the angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, we're we're doing that. We're involved in that. We're involved in what's going on here. We is our new nature. We can't help but praise and bless and worship and glorify because we have received that gift. Yes, yes. We recognize just exactly. We know what this is. Next part is the goodwill towards men. Eudokio. Uh, um, the eu eudokio is is the good wishes, the goodwill. Um, uh, Whose goodwill? God's. He is, just like he has secured peace, so this lets us know by the coming of Jesus Christ that God loves us. This lets us know what he wants. Why would he send his son? Why would he come? You know, I mean, you think of uh, uh, Elizabeth. Why, Mary, why would you come to me? Well, I know why he would come. He's wanting to give us gifts. This is his goodwill towards us. Um, I would liken it very much so, for God so loved the world, his goodwill towards the world, towards all men, that he gave his one and only son to do it. Here's what he's, he's doing. Here's what he's giving out. Now, um, I've explained this as something, both this peace is for the earth, for everyone who lives here, this goodwill is toward, not, not Calvin got it wrong, it's not just for some people, it's for the whole world. He wants everyone to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. That is the announcement of what these things are. Now, we do have to be careful when you're going through the scriptures. 
because the scriptures do speak of these things, and context will tell you it's not a hard thing, um, you know, unless you're OJ confused or something like that. But it, it's pretty simple. But there are sometimes it speaks of peace, as in Jesus died to make peace with God for the whole world. That's the atonement. Sometimes it does speak about those who only believers have peace. Or like the little bumper sticker, you know. No Jesus, no peace. No Jesus, and oh, no peace. You know, granted, I, I get that. But this particular passage isn't speaking that way. It's simply speaking about this is a, a God's desire and his wish for all men is peace. In fact, the goodwill is his desire to save all men. Why do I want to say that? Um, you've already got this particular, uh, and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. These two things are being proclaimed for all men. I, I know we've kind of gone before, but I've I got to highlight at least one. When uh, Divine Service 1, that that we use, which is based upon the current service, and, and until we move to this book, has glory be to God on high and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Great. Divine Service 2, which is based upon the common liturgy, says this, glory to God in the highest, and on, glory to God in the highest, and peace to his people on earth. That's, that's the other. That's, that's the other way. Now it's not a wrong way to speak. There is peace to those who believe who are his people, but that's not the. That's not what the liturgy is going at. That's not what this is about. Again, it's not wrong. It's just that it ought to be the announcement of what uh, God is doing, and when we have that. As Jane lets us know, this is us saying, yes, I believe it. In fact, I'm with the angels. We too love this is, I realize that the coming of Jesus Christ is the answer to everything. In heaven, they're rejoicing. We're going to rejoice with them. We're joining with the angels and archangels. We'll do the same thing. I've got peace because uh, uh, he has reconciled it and I believe it. I know his goodwill towards me and that he loves me. This is all connected with the very first part, which is, O oh Lord God, heavenly King, God the Father Almighty. It's all connected with the Father because it is the Father sending his Son. Wow. Um, it, you know, th this, uh, um, uh, that, that Luke 2.14 has... Heaven's open and the angels and all of this going on. It's not just, oh, well, what was that all about? No, no, no. That, that's the center of everything. That's why we have this. This is the first thing that happens from the altar is the announcement that uh, uh, peace and goodwill, and now we're going to rejoice with what the angels are doing. Second part. Tony already let us know it's the only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. So we're going on to the second person, and immediately there is a three inside the second three, um, calling him the Lamb of God, 
we're talking about the Son of the Father. Who said, I'm the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world? John the Baptist. When John the Baptist, what was his job? To point to Christ. To prepare the way of the Lord. Here we have, what? Him being prepared by this announcement. Um, All of this praising and whatever is not just anything. It begins with the incarnation and it immediately goes to what's this Jesus who's laying in a manger, what's this all about? He's going to die. Now we're at the crucifixion. Now we're at what he's in. He's taking away the sin. We're asking him to have mercy on us. We're still still mercy. We're not done. We're, we're always doing that. We're going to ask him to receive our prayer. We're beginning a service. And we wish that he would answer our prayers. And finally, what do we know? Take us away. Take us away. You'd expect a third take us away. But it doesn't. Thou that sittest at the right hand of God the Father. What's that about? It's accomplished. The one who takes away is now giving out. This is the ascension. He has ascended and he's seated at the right hand. He's before the Father uh, um, pleading on our behalf. This is the one from whom the mercy comes. So we ask for mercy. Jesus, um, some of you were there when we went over to the uh, uh, cathedral in, in St. Louis, and uh, uh, the, the nun pointed up to the, the, the picture of Mary. You remember that? Yeah. What's, what's that about? Well, she said, you know, uh, you, uh, uh, it's a little scary to go to the uh, uh, Father, but, but you can go and you can pray to Mary, and she'll just hop right over there and talk to him. Yeah, yeah. Mary, she's got Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What do we got? We've got the one who loved us, died for us, sitting at the right hand of God the Father. I mean, there's no fear. You know, no, I know. And so there, here's, here's, here's the second part, which, which highlights, if we started with the incarnation, this now highlights the... Uh, atonement price that he has paid for us and him readily answering and giving uh, is completed. That's the second part. Then we move on to the third article of the creed with the third that goes with this. Um, Help me out. Uh, There's three articles of the creed. Luther said they're Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Father, the first article deals with Creation, the second article deals with redemption, and the third article deals with sanctification. sanctification. What sanctification means? What's sanctification? Being made holy. Being made holy. He does that two ways. He does that through creating faith in our hearts so that we are declared righteous, saints, and he does that through working in us as well. Guess what? For thou only art... We're going to start off the third with holy. Because that's sanctification. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, If we would like to be holy, the only one who is holy is God. And so, thou only art holy, thou only art the Lord, thou only, O Christ, with the Holy Ghost. 
if we're talking about a holiness, it has to be with the Father, the Son, and particularly the Holy Ghost. I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about this in relation to my, like, non-denominational relatives and also the Catholics that I know, though they're rather similar. <coughs> this is such a comfort to Lutherans, but to a Catholic who thinks that they have to work their way to heaven, being in church must be terrifying. Because if God's coming down to you and you haven't done enough, oh my goodness. But in the same way, the Protestants think they have to hype themselves up with emotion to kind of reach God. Sort of, and this is a perfect example of how God comes down to us. And so, for Lutherans, it's not a measuring up; it's a little taste of heaven and communion with God that is off. It's just given to you in the service every Sunday. There's no terror; there's just God coming in mercy. And for the people that say they find it in nature, no, you don't find this in nature. <laughs> so there's not a. You, you, you might have said to me, oh yeah, you, 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 you Lutherans, you don't deal with holiness. Because <clears throat> you know, you're always confessing your sins. You're just, you know, I mean. Um, but it does deal with holiness. But it deals with it in the right way. So that it doesn't become a scary thing or a thing that, you know, either I have a, I'm scared about it because I, I didn't do so well, or a false holiness in which, yeah, I'm really a whole lot better than all of you. I wish you were like I was. No, no, no. Uh, um, this is the holiness that comes from from this. So yes, it, it hits it in its right spot. Um, we've confessed our sins. We've received forgiveness. we are continue to ask God for mercy. And we're going to come to him asking him to hear our prayers for the sanctification, the holiness that, that we desire as well. But the point is that in all these things, this is where you see us acknowledging God's giving out his gifts. And we praise him for being the creator, the father, the one who comes in the incarnation of his son, in the atonement and in the seating of the right hand, and now him working through, this is the only God that we have. What kind of God do we have? i got a father, son, and Holy Spirit, and they're all working together for the good will the good pleasure that he wants me to be with him. So, this is, and so let's put it this way, when we say divine service, it's not our service to the vine. <laughs> Guess what? He just announced it, and we're going, great, we're here. Give us the gifts. Yeah. I, in, in a sense, this is backwards. Because we believe the first part because of the second and third part. The, the first part is always true. But we believe that because of what Jesus did and the Holy Spirit delivers that to us. It's a circular it's a circular thing. It all goes together. You can start anywhere on it, but it, it, it always comes out this way. We're able to give glory to God because of what Jesus has done and the Holy Spirit has delivered that to us through the word and sacraments. The third petition of the Lord's Prayer. Yep. Thy will be done on earth. It's already this way in heaven is what Pastor Arun's saying. 
we now what? <laughs> what you see is going on in, 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 in the Christian church for the next hour is going to be what God wants on earth as it is in heaven. Boy, I, hopefully we can be like the angels. That is, we can rejoice in all that he is doing and look into these things and receive all these gifts. That's the glory. That is why it is so important. That's why Luther says things like, oh, the glory in excelsis, he goes, that didn't come from us down here. He said, that dropped down from heaven. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, he says things like, if we were true Christians, we would love to be singing this again and again and again. Um, we have a hard time staying awake. <laughs> but like everything and that's why when I began this study three, four, five weeks ago we talked about how do you get ready for the divine service well by talking about it by directing your attention to it because you're right we don't want to pay attention is there something else we can do to kind of make this no really there isn't it's only by oh that's it so we we draw attention to it we say it again I'm getting ready we 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 tell ourselves um you know this morning you're going to tell yourself hey this is Lauren Excelsis you know I'm I don't remember being happy to sing this before but today I am um let's do it and and that's that's what we uh that's what we have with the glory and excelsis um it's pretty well uh, 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 it's as high as we've gotten so far in the service. Well, I, th- I think it's, it's also interesting here as we as we go through this study, we're going to find out that we're confessing our sins several times during this service. Mm-hmm. And I always remember that what, what, there's always a lot of complaint about that. Mm-hmm. Why do we do that? Well, it's simple. We're sinning all the way through this service, just like we are through everyday life. We keep sinning, and we can't we can't stop it. It's just well, it's our it's our first nature, and so in, I, I would say it in a little different way, but you're right. The point being is this. Once there has been the confession and forgiveness of sins, we can talk about it. It's not scary anymore. Um, Before there is the confession and forgiveness of sins, I'm a little bit worried about this thing. Right? Um, So, I can... um, I don't know. I... Uh, um, if I've sinned against Leanne and, and you know, and I, uh, I don't know, and, you know, you kind of beat her on the bush, and, and, you know, I mean, if she really finds out that, you know, I trampled on her tulips, you know, <laughs> I'm pretty sure, oh, you know, there's no more Sunday dinners, you know, I'm pretty sure our relationship is done, you know, um, and so that, but once I've confessed and there's forgiveness, and, you know, she goes, yeah, those were my grandmother's favorite, but, you know, but you're forgiven. You know, at this point, now it, it's taken away. I know the relationship is restored. I know that there is forgiveness. I mean, I'll, I'll want to go buy her some. I'm going to go look for, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm and, and but even when we talk about this, it's not like, oh, I better not bring that up. No, we've already, we've, we've dealt with that. In fact, 
the longer that relationship, the more, you know, uh, you know, she may even bring it up, you know, six months later. You remember when you uh, trampled on the tulips, you know? And, and, and I, you know, do I feel, bad? yeah, I still feel a little guilty, but, you know, then you laugh about it. You go, it's the same thing. Before God, you know, before it's this thing where you go, oh, it's going to get me, it's going to get me. And I go, no, I can, I can talk about what's happened. Why? Because I'm not still trying to do this. I, I'm, I'm not. But I want his help, and yet I do realize, you know, I'm still, I still got desires. I still have stuff. Lord, I need help. So yes, that's that's why. Of course, there's going to be mercy. Of course, there's going to be uh, uh, all of these. Tony, this is the true meaning of the word peace. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. It starts off that way, and as Pastor Arun said, you know, we're sinners, and that's the hardest thing for us to be to realize that okay I am a sinner but I've got peace through yes. what Christ did for me fabulous fabulous next section salutation the Lord be with you and with your spirit uh, Lutheran worship the new common liturgy turned it into and also with you turned it into just a greeting, you know, hey, how you doing? I'm fine, how are you? Uh, um, that's, that's what it... But, but the words themselves, granted, Ruth 2, verse 4, uh, now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. Yeah, it's a pretty common kind of, of greeting. And they answered, the Lord uh, bless you. Is it just a greeting, or is, you know, this who is the Lord and Master who employs these and they are in his household, uh, that, you know, he has come with blessings for them. They also speak words of blessings for him uh, in his particular uh, vocation as well. Uh, yes, it's not just a uh, holy howdy uh, uh, response. But we see with John 20, 22, Jesus, his first words after his resurrection, um, and uh, when he had uh, said uh, uh, this to them, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. We use these words in the small catechism to refer to uh, the Holy Spirit given to the pastoral office, to the pastor and his vocation. Um, Jesus says to the apostles that he will, yes, they have the Holy Spirit for faith, for belief, of course. But now he's going to breathe on them, give them the Holy Spirit so that they can forgive sins, so that they can write the words of Scripture for us. Um, this is the Spirit given to them in their vocation. It is the same thing that we have with uh, the salutation, uh, it is, and with your spirit, or in, and with thy spirit. What we find is that at every major section of the liturgy, you do it again. So, we have gotten up to the point where the pastor is going to begin the colic, the prayer of the day, and the readings, and the sermon, this is, you know, uh, uh, his 
prayers on our behalf and his giving of the gift. And the pastor says, the Lord be with you. Um, I am here. I'm your pastor. You want me to go ahead? And they go, by all means. And with your spirit. We want the Holy Spirit working for you. We pray that you would. And so the pastor begins the service of the word section that begins it. Um, we don't go around, oh, well, it's, it's time to pray. Anybody want to do it? <laughs> you know, no. What we say is, well, who's the call and ordained guy? Who's the one that is the sent one from God? Who's supposed to do this on our behalf? Now, this is not that you can't pray. In fact, we might get to today some of this, uh, dealing with the collect. If I go to your house for dinner, and it, we're getting ready to have dinner, and, you know, you kind of look over at me and I go, you're the head of the household, it's your house. Um, you know, go ahead and pray. Uh, you don't need me to pray. Now, if you ask me, I, you know, well, I'm not going to refuse, but, but this, it's time for you to pray. Um, when we're in the church of God, I manage my own household well. I'm supposed to manage the household of God. Um, who's going to pray? Well, it's not that nobody can pray. It's just that, well, where's the head of the household? Let's have him do his job. So that's what we do. We do that at the beginning. We do this again when we get to the service of Lord's Supper. And we do with the preface, the Lord be with you. I'm with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift up and forth. Do you want me to do Lord's Supper this morning? Who's going to do it? Yes. And with your spirit, the spirit given you in your ordination, go forth and do it. Third point. We got two services. Word of the word, service of sacrament. When's the third time? It's at the end, interesting enough. It is at the benediction. It is the final blessing. Now, if there's any section of the divine service that has an Old Testament reference, and that Old Testament reference was, this is what the Aaronic priests do, and now you get to the point where it's like, who's going to give the blessing? The final blessing to send us away in peace. That, it, it doesn't sound like that would be a big deal, but, but you, you do a salutation again, because that is a big deal. And liturgically, you might also note, kind of interesting, when Bishop Heiser was here, you know, I say to him, you know, do, he was going to preach. I go, well, would you, you know, normally you give that person the gospel reading. And then he pops up at the end. He didn't do any of the liturgy before that. Pastor Rune did the reading. That's what the deacon does. I did this, this sermon, whatever. But right at the very end, he does the benediction. Because that is an important part of, of, of the service. Uh, so anyway, that's what you have with the salutation uh, all of that goes, the Lord be with you and with your spirit. Uh, we have these kind of things hinted at. First Timothy 4, verse 14, as Paul talking to his uh, pastor Timothy, do not collect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy to laying on of the hands of the eldership. Um, the elders are the pastors. When the pastors went and put their hands on you at your ordination, at your installation, it is to refer to you as the gift that has been given you. Now use that gift. Pray for the people. Preach to the people. Do that. 
Second uh, Timothy one, Paul says, "Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind." And so we see this this gift which is to be used in in uh, speaking forth. Um, Second uh, Corinthians five twenty. Paul, who is an apostle, is talking about the Ephesian elders, that would be the pastors that are all there, and he says, now then, we, referring to himself and other occupants of the pastoral office, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. Um, When the president sends an ambassador over to China, what's the ambassador do? He speaks on behalf of the president. We are speaking on behalf of Christ. So that, Luke 10, he who hears you hears me, he who rejects you rejects me, and he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. So that's what the reason. Uh, Sometimes they refer to the salutation as the little ordination. Um, a little ordination. It's 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 uh, uh, kind of referring and going back to. Okay, that begins uh, immediately after the salutation. Uh, that we go to uh, the collect itself. So here's the glory and excelsis. Uh, there is the salutation. The Lord be with you and with thy spirit. Uh, then the pastor shall face the altar, and he will pray the appointed collect. What about this collect? Why do we call it a, a collect? Uh, it collects the thoughts of the day into one prayer. Um, it brings the theme of the readings and puts it so that we ask God for the things that God has told us. Um, you know, maybe it's out of order. Maybe we ought to have God tell us the things in the Word, and then we go, based upon what you told us, we're going to ask you for something. That's true. It could be. As it turns out, this directs our attention so that here's the things we ask for, and as you get to the readings, you go, oh, I really needed those things. Um or there's a reason why I include them in our family daily prayers so that we get familiar with that. Uh, Psalm 65, verse 2. Oh, you who hear prayer, to you all flesh will come. So, we come on Sunday morning, we're at the altar, we're going to ask God, we're going to pray. Um, we're not concerned, we've, we've confessed our sins, we're a child of God, We uh, uh, everything that God has given us through his son, through the incarnation, we're receiving, now we come, we've got the promises of God, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you, for everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, him who knocks it will be opened. So we're going to come, we're going to ask God for prayer, we're going to pray for the things, and you're going to sing Amen. Amen means yes, yes, it shall be so. Why? Because God said if we ask, we'll get it. 
Um, and we're going to make sure that these prayers are based upon the Word of God um, so that we have God's promises. 1 Thessalonians 5, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks that this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. He wants us to pray. He wants us to come and ask. Now, let's go back again. When I, when I got to the we worship you, we give you thanks, we praise you, I kept saying, boy, it's a whole lot of stuff that we're doing. And then you told me it was all right. Um, so, so this here, this we asking for stuff, this us praying all the time, always asking God for stuff, that's kind of a little selfish, don't you think? I mean, you know, you're just here to get stuff? Is Really? That's kind of, kind of selfish, I think. What do you think of that? I think we can have nothing without him. He, and he tells us to ask him. He does. Yes. And they're all things he's promised. They're all things that out of the Father's goodwill he wants us to... He wants us to have it. Um, what's the alternative? Let me tell you it that way. What's the alternative? We can have a service in which we come and we ask God for stuff. What's the alternative? What kind of service would it be if it weren't that? We acknowledge that everything is a gift. If it's not a gift, then we're earning it or deserving it from our own. Which kind That's of, the alternative. Right. <laughs> thinking so, doing, so. Thinking we're doing something for him by coming here. Right. That's the alternative. That's why Luther said this thing at one point. He said, if you have a service and you don't ask God for anything, you might as well go home. Interesting. Because what's. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. The, the yeah, this yeah, the story is is that um, uh, you know he had a piece of paper in his pocket when he died that said you know we're all beggars, um, right? The difference is is I can come asking God, rely, you know, I got nothing unless He gives it. He's promised to give it. I come asking for as the things, and I receive the gifts. Or I can turn this service into. I'm coming to give God my stuff, my praise, my thanksgiving. I'm coming to offer to him my... what? That, that's the other alternative, which becomes a works righteousness. It directs it this way. This actually, by having a colic, by having a prayer, is say, listen, I'm coming to receive. I've always thought that has to be the most offensive thing to God, that... Not right. I've always thought that about contemporary worship and all that. God needs me to do this for me. <coughs> when the Pharisee stands up and says, I'm just not like other men, you're really, you're, it's really good you got me, God. Because I'm here, I give a tent, I do this, I do that. That is the, the thing. Why, why, I'm, I'm here to give God the glory. Well, he, he's already got the glory. Divine service. We're coming to receive from Him what He has for us. He's serving us. He is. 
Um, it shows, I mean, this takes us back to mercy. It takes us back to realizing everything that we have again. We don't deserve, but we're come to ask. The only time I got in trouble in school was in Bible class. <laughs> Pretty much. You can imagine why. Um, I know I'm not a know-it-all or anything. But um, I remember my uh, girl's Bible class teacher, whose fa- uh, father was a pastor there, so I know this is where she got it, telling us one time, drawing a globe with a, like, a little like bubble around it and a little hatch, and she's like, prayer works this way. Um, God can give you all these gifts, but prayer makes it possible for God to act in the world because without you praying for it, God can't do anything. He's a gentleman. He's waiting for you to pray. I'm like, oh my gosh. (laughs) So this is just, talk about an unappreciation for anything that God wants to give to the Christian. Pastor? Well, I think one of one of the the attributes of God, one of them is humility. God is humble. You, you think about that. The Maker of heaven and earth is humble, and He comes to us and washes our feet. What can we ask him for? <laughs> Everything. Yeah. On page four of your white sheet, I included uh, a copied out stand a section that comes from the explanation of the common service. I've referred to this a couple of times. When it gets to the collection, we're going to uh, looks like I'm going to send home some homework. Oh. We don't do homework. Yeah. <laughs> um, this book says, what's the structure of the collect? It's got a set form. In its full form, it has five parts. The invocation, the antecedent, the petition, the benefit desired, and then the doxology. Uh, the antecedent reason and the benefit desired are often wanting. That is, they may not be included. Um, it does include an example, cite some examples uh, based upon some prayers. I want you to go to the next page and uh, let's take a look. Uh, usually when I'm explaining the parts of a colic, I will say it has three parts, okay? Um, there is the address, they called it the invocation. Um, I'm going to tell you, just like your letter, who are we going to send it to? There's got to be the address part of, of the letter, and I want to know who this prayer is going to. That would be the address. It may be God. It may be, oh Lord God. It may be Heavenly Father. That's who I'm talking to. Who am I talking to? Oh Lord Jesus Christ. That, that's what I want to know. There is... The second part, he called it an antecedent, maybe a reason. I usually call it the rationale. Um, That is, what's the rationale? What's the reason why I am asking uh, the Lord for this? Either he's told me something, or I know something about him. Um, It is the reason or rationale, and sometimes that's left out. Number two, there is the petition. There's the thing that we actually ask God 
for, we ask him for, we, the petition, um, and sometimes we include why we ask God for that particular petition. The third part, he called it a doxology, I usually call it the, termina, uh, the termina, term, termination. What did I put? Terminology. Termination. It's the ending. It can be as simple as Amen, or it can be through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you. Know, it can be a longer, um, but normally there is a uh, uh, an ending that goes to it. And often we have world without end. When I was growing up, that was very frequent. So the uh, this book will have all of those in it. That's the older ending or termination. The newer ending did not have the world without end. They interpreted that a little differently. And the meaning of it? Yeah, I'll get to that next. Okay. Good. Good question. Good question, but I uh, um, we'll get to it. These are the I am just about out of time. These are the three address petition terminology uh, termination. So, for example, let's take a look at one of these. I've gone ahead and put like Trinity thirteen, Trinity fourteen, Trinity fifteen. Um, uh, this morning we are at <laughs> Trinity fifteen. So, what is the address? What are we? Who are we talking to? We're talking to Oh Lord. What is the petition? What is the thing we're asking for? We beseech thee, or we pray thee, let thy continual pity cleanse and defend thy church. So, this is who we're talking to. This part in yellow, if you want to circle that or underline it, um, that's the actual number two. That's the petition. In this particular collect, it returns back to the address because it's going to ask for something else. Um, and because it cannot continue in safety without thy succor, which means God's, without God's help, um, we know something else. The reason why we're asking, the rationale why we're asking is we can't keep, be safe. We need your help. So now it asks for a second thing. Preserve your church, preserve your church evermore by thy help and goodness. So what we have is we've got the address, we've got the rationale, we've actually got one thing that we asked for and another petition that we asked for, and then, through Jesus Christ thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end, is the termination that goes with it. I've included with this... Um, uh, this page, so that, as I said, you can maybe highlight, underline, put where the ones, twos, and uh, threes are. Uh, that's your homework for next time that goes with it. But just to give you just a little bit more of, a, of an understanding. Petition. If I'm going to ask God for healing, that's going to be my petition. I want to ask God for 
uh, for the healing of the body. That's what I'm going to ask for. Who am I going to address this prayer to? I could address it to the Heavenly Father who created heaven and earth, because, well, if he created everything, he can definitely <laughs> heal and do it. The Lord, the great thing. The great physician. I can refer to him as, oh Lord, the great physician, because when he was here, Jesus was the great physician. He did all these things. So often, what you ask for, you usually either base it upon a promise in the word, or 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 a a title of God that shows forth um, that he's able to do this. So I'm asking for healing. I'm going to ask the great physician. The next rationale, well, what for what reason? What? Why do you want healing? Um, it might be a good thing to kind of go, oh, well, what would be a good reason, rationale? That I might serve my neighbor. All right. That would be like the benefit. That. The benefit is so that I might be able to take care of my grandmother. I need healing for myself. But I need it for the benefit that Grandma might be taken care of because she doesn't have anyone else. The rationale is something in God. This is the benefit that comes to me. Um, but we have to say, oh, so so, uh, what is it that God... Only through your mercy can you heal me, this. Great. Uh, um, and so, you have promised me to call upon you in trouble and in mercy. Therefore, I'm going to call to you, O great physician, for healing, so that I might serve my mother, through Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, this is something that pastors, when I'm called upon to pray, you will watch that happen. You know, you will learn to do this. When people go, well, you, you should only have written prayers, or you should only have... Uh, uh, prayers from the heart and whatever. Every prayer from the heart, <laughs> I've been taught. This is the way you come before God. It it works out that way. It, it's like you say, it's part of the teaching. Because like again, Christian fellowship, you always pray for what you need. You address God, but then you pray for what you need. You, it's a comfort to the Christian to say the rationale part because it teaches you that God is capable of it. You don't just pray for what you need. You say. Oh Lord, you promised to send pastors and teachers and so forth, so therefore send us this pastor. And so you don't have just what I need, you have God promising always at the very beginning. It's really And and and, and this this but I mean it's not even greatly spiritual. I mean if I can if I can say this. Um uh, uh Dan, my buddy and pal, you 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 have lots of tools out in your garage. Can I borrow the cheater bar? Because I can't get the blade off of the lawnmower. I mean, it, it, it's natural. Now, now, I'm not praying to Dan. <laughs> but I'm just saying, it, it, you know, and sometimes you just, you know, you leave, hey, Dan, can I borrow the cheater bar? Sometimes you leave off the rationale of the benefit. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. But it, it, it works. It, it it's 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 logical. Is sometimes in some of our prayers we express our need and our sinfulness. Is that part of the rationale? I'm thinking that's part of the rationale. If not, maybe I'm confused. 
Um, usually, the rationale is either a promise of God or a attribute of God. And that is usually why I am addressing what is the uh, reason in God that makes me ask for this. Right? Um, uh, uh, Heavenly Father, you have promised to teach your children everything that they need. Give me the Holy Spirit that I might understand your word. That's the rationale. Left. What are these people doing praying to saints? Those dead people can't do anything. That is so dumb. And this is a really good reason. The rationale is in God. It is the attributes of God. All right, so I'm sending this home. Um, underline, figure out which parts are 1, 2, 3, 1B, 2B, um, and we'll come back and take a look at the comics. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you have given us your word. Uh, You have told us uh, that we ought to uh, receive your gifts. And so, uh, shower out your gifts upon us in the divine service uh, that we might be comforted and serve our neighbor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.